Who Put This On? The podcast. This is season four, episode 16. Tonight we watched Antiques Roadshow on some network. Season 17, <laughs> episode 16. Also, as a quick update to the month, we're going with Emmys month. This Woo-hoo. is the month of Emmy for Emmys. Rob, what is Emmys month? So for Emmys month, every show we do this month is going to be a show that is nominated at the Primetime Emmys, which is happening someday this month. I don't know what day it is. There you go. Emmy-nominated show. Uh, I'm filling in for Chris tonight since he's on the East Coast, hopefully not in a hurricane. Hopefully everyone's all right. This is James. Anna Beth. Robert Kitts. Noah Singer. Brian Houston. And I'm Harrison Hoffman. There you have it. Uh, Who's got some kind of description? I, I got your show description over here. Antiques Roadshow is part adventure, part history lesson, and part treasure hunt. Watch as specialists from the country's leading auction houses and independent dealers offer free appraisals of antiques and collectibles, revealing fascinating truths about family treasures and flea market finds. That's Antiques Roadshow on PBS. Oh boy. Where to where to even begin here? I, I think we gotta begin with is there anything special about the pod tonight besides our lack of our usual host? That is a great call because again, the second time we are podcasting from a hot tub. <laughs> Some of us is a first time. So Noah, this is a first time in the hot pod for you, is that correct? It is the first time in the hot How's pod. How's it going for you tonight? <laughs> <laughs> it's going pretty well. Pretty well. I mean, we will share a picture on the Facebook page of what it looks like, but it's quite the impressive setup, if I do say so myself. So if we have watched the show and are potting from the tub, I love it. There's nothing better than hot tubbing in a pod on a cool Seattle summer day. The only thing that makes it better is having a Wildcat Strong. It's true. This episode brought to you by Wildcat. <laughs> I feel like what episode did we do uh, from Canada where I feel like we first discovered Wildcat? Wild because that's really we did like part of it. Canada's worst handyman. That is right. Wow. Yeah. Did, and we pod we pod it from Whistler. Oh, we did. Oh man, what a time! That was the original pod without the Chris Lorenz. It's very true. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> man, Chris. All right. Well, here's to Chris, and we'll get a little Wildcat. Cheers. Uh, yeah. How do how should we get into this thing? So this show, like, there's not a lot to this show that's not minutiae for this show. Like, this is just an, an hour-long, no commercial, straight just talking about antiques, and you just go into the different antiques that are going on, and it's like, you're waiting to hear how much it's worth, and you think it's going to be worth nothing, and then it's worth $80,000. <laughs> like, what happened? No, but but you're right. That really is the show. Like, it's it's a couple of minutes at most on a particular item. And they're going to hit a shitload of items. And each one, there's going to be an appraiser. There's somebody that's brought this whatever, some kind of thing in. Uh, and then they talk about it. There's a little storytelling that go- sometimes happens. Uh, and then you get a price, and that's it. Let's well, be honest. The storytelling they do is reading a Wikipedia page <laughs> about the yeah, artist. No, no love for the appraisers, huh? <laughs> no, no. They're they giving shallow insights for the most part. Um, I thought we going to get a lot of hate mail on this. Uh, but... Literally, one of them was describing some, someone. I Googled the name. The smart return answer on Google was word for word oh. what they were saying. Oh. And I was just like, oh, man, we're just being Ooh. fed Wikipedia. So, th- so just reading off the cue cards off the side of the screen. Is that right? Exactly. But how do they get from, like, unknown object to new object? Like, wh- where is that transition? How do you identify that? So 
the appraisers are giving actually a dollar value, which obviously there's some something else they're doing besides the little storytelling they're doing. But the storytelling they're doing, I think, is heavily copy paste Wikipedia. Well, I I also don't know if you can make a generalization for all the appraisers because like some of them were a lot more interesting and seemed like they had much more of a niche than other ones. Like we had like a, like a rug guy and then we had like a jewelry guy, and so I think some of them are like more familiar with like the minutiae of the specific piece than others, but. And like, and it was definitely clear that they were at least doing some level of research before, because they'd be talking about some super obscure artist, and something's like, "Yeah, this artist was born in born in Austria in 1908, and then they moved with their family to Atlanta and whatever." And like, just tell their entire life story. You know that they're just doing all the pre research. And doesn't that sound like a Wikipedia page? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, is. But the show does a good job of filling in a way that it just seems like this person just knows all this stuff off the top of their head. Exactly. Like, oh, interesting, you brought this to me. Well, let me tell you this person's life story that I just happen to know off the top of my head. Like, they do edit it and, like, set it up in a good way. So, to go, to go deep, if you think someone brought you an item, you have no background, do you think you can go into the internet corner, look up the who this person is, what similar prices have sold for, or similar pieces have sold for at auctions across the world? eBay. And then say, yeah, I think this is going <laughs> to sell for X, Y, Z. I love Brian just jumping in there with the, the eBay. eBay. <laughs> Sorry, episode, that was too funny. This episode is also brought to you by eBay. <laughs> so, so no, I like the interesting thing about that is then something that I thought was going to happen in the show they never did is they're like, oh, I have this painting or I have this piece that's signed by this person. I have these, I have this letter from Albert Einstein. This is I kept waiting for the this is definitely a fake. It's not real, mm-hmm. which at least in this episode never happened. But that'd be the thing of like, oh, I look up this thing on the uh, internet corner. I'm like, oh, I've got this thing by this famous artist worth thousands of dollars. Then it's like, actually, it's totally a fake. It's not real. Like, that's the thing that I would expect if I was doing it myself. That I also thought that was part of the show of like, you don't know who's going to suddenly get told, that thing is garbage. It's worth <laughs> 10 bucks. And that, yeah. that never happened. And, and like, there's, there's kind of two ends to it, I think. I think that a lot of the expertise comes in like inspecting the thing and knowing some of the key things to look for. And like, you can look up the actual history in the Wikipedia article later but i think that you'd have trouble like with your eyes like knowing the right things to look for like i'm even sure that like for you know like art appraisers there's probably some kind of specific resource for art appraisers it's like okay for this artist like here are the things you look for like to see if it's real i'm sure that something like that probably exists so you're hitting on an interesting note there which is i think one thing of the show that i did find myself enjoying which is you sort of learn at least just a tidbit here and there throughout um, there, it, whether it's you know a thing to your point, Harrison, of looking for a specific artist trademark or a style or a certain pattern they did, or to some people who were making pots in a very specific way or or whatever it is, but it was it was sort of like one of the the positives of the show. I thought was that you kind of just pick up some interesting little tidbits. Not that any of it's particularly useful or anything, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That was uh, I just found it interesting. I could see. For people that are watching the show, it's like, oh, that's probably like one of the reasons you'd be into it. If you have a a niche antique roadshow, right? Let's say like really into like video game consoles or old video games. Like, oh, the whole episode is on that. Then I think it's interesting, right? Because then you're getting like real deep in that niche that you're interested in. Whereas what we got at least in the episode we watched, 
random assortment of shit. The Seattle Vintage episode. Seattle Vintage. You would, you would have to watch a lot of Antiques Roadshow episodes to start being able to pick any of this stuff out. I mean, th- they are in season 23, so <laughs> I'm sure there are some super fans out there who see, you know, that pot come on there and it's like, oh man, that's whatever, whatever. Like, That's so, a, uh, what was that guy's name? Buffet? A buffet oh, yeah, or a buffet. Bernard, Bernard Buffet. One of my one of my favorite Bernard Buffet. My favorite parts of the show is the like appraisers just correcting the pronunciation of things that people say, and like it happens it happened three or four times in this episode where like the clueless person that found this thing in their basement's like, yeah, I got some kind of you know Bernard Jim, Buffett, Jimmy Buffett painting. <laughs> hey man, like, that Sorry. guy definitely was into some Jimmy Buffett. He's like, sir, that says Bernard Buffet. Like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> and it is priceless. <laughs> so that's definitely another piece of the show that I also enjoy was just the people watching aspect of the show is amazing. Like there's all these different people, you know, to Nova's point, maybe he'll go get into, you know, there's a certain genre of people, certain category. Um, but like the clothing outfits are amazing. Just to seeing different stuff. You kind of get a glimpse at these people a little bit. Uh, and then also another, another thing that I personally enjoyed was just the random people in the background that are just waiting in the queue with their like random shit that they haven't got appraised yet, uh, which is just it's just fun people watching, which is weird for a TV show, like yeah, you know, it like takes place like in the middle of the floor of the convention center, like in, in the middle of an active like ongoing convention about antiques. <laughs> <laughs> so people are just walking by, people are popping in, like. And like it, it definitely kind of gives you a sense of sort of the scale, of the operation, what they're doing, kind of how they're doing. You're seeing all these people, and like there's a section that's like silver, ceramics, jewelry, and they have their all the right experts there. And you can just tell that you know you're seeing like you know less than half of a percent of the stuff that like comes through there. Um, but that's why it's also crazy and high quality because like it's a huge volume of people's bringing all their random shit to this thing. Yeah, which is something that I think is interesting to think about. There were some pieces in here that were quite an endeavor to bring to the roadshow. If you had no idea they were worth anything, we saw this one giant desk, which was huge. Like I don't know how Humongous they even got desk. it there. You you gotta talk. You gotta we gotta go into the desk. Okay. There's a lot to talk about with that desk. Rob, please describe the desk. <laughs> what I don't shape know. was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was split. It, it was, was kind a, of a Y shape. It was called a partner desk that you would have <laughs> for was. your partner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would best describe it as sort of a Y shaped. Y shape is a good way to put it. It's like, the closest. It's like a three pieces that converge together kind of thing. You could say there's like a torso that then splits out into two limbs <laughs> that protrude out to the end. You know, something like that. Very accurate description. Yeah. But it, a huge thing to bring, like, I, that's what, that's one thing that I was fascinated by the show, um, is, like, do all these, were all these people into antiques before? Did they get into antiques because they watched this road show? And then, like, when you happen upon this item, like, in your attic or, like, at a yard sale, like, what compels you to think it's valuable? Because a lot of the stuff they pull out doesn't look like anything to me. I mean, like, I, I just feel like, you know, every family has like a couple of items that's like sort of been passed down through the generations. There's been stories told over Thanksgiving and Christmases about it and like where it came from. And like, you know, there's there's just always this discussion and it's always like, yeah, someone should really bring that to Andy's Roadshow and figure out what's what's going on with it. And yeah, I don't know. What's your item from your family? Oh, man, the item from my family that's really mysterious and keeps coming up. There's there's this one spoon. There's a spoon. A spoon. This is very oh. like mysterious spoon, and 
theoretically, like my great grandfather who immigrated to the United States uh, brought it over from like Russia and like the, the, the origins are very mysterious. Like some stories are that, you know, he was snowed in at like the czar of Russia's like palace and like stole some silver off the table. It's another version of it. That's like, he was like a baker in Russia and he like delivered some bread to this czar's palace and got paid with the spoon. There's all this mysterious stuff and no one's ever taken it to one of these things, but I really want to take it. And yeah. just like, and it has some weird like crest on it. Like no one can find any info on it, but like, that's the kind of shit you bring to this thing. We gotta find when the next Seattle Roadshow is coming to town. Gotta get, gotta get the Zara Spoon out or here. Or the uh, Siesta Key Roadshow. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta ask. Oh, you also have a slot machine. In I your do. Apartment. I do. You know the provenance of the slot machine, though. Uh, I, I, I know, I know the story sort of. Uh, and the story is basically that it comes from the basement of some old Italian restaurant in Chicago Heights. It was a known hangout of uh, infamous gangster Al Capone. Whoa. So, like the, the the story behind that one is that it came from one of Al Capone's secret underground casinos in Chicago Heights. But I mean, that's another one of those totally unverified like situations. Well, that's we also learned on this show when you have stuff like that, you would need some kind of letter from right. Al Capone talking about the slot machine, <laughs> like a so picture, it was, or like a picture about. <laughs> I wish I had that picture. Um, does anybody else have an item in their family that we can bring to the roadshow? I don't know if I have anything like that. Like, my grandfather definitely had a bunch of old clocks, but we didn't have anything like, like we told the story or like, oh, that clock is that story. Well, I guess we did have one clock we told a story about where my grandfather actually built a whole clock out of wood, even the Ooh. gears and stuff. But I Wait, d- he hand built a whole like grandfather clock kind of situation. Oh yeah, wooden Whoa. gears. Wooden the gear, gears wood- are made of wood. wood. <laughs> Every single part of the clock was made out of wood. He had to buy these special equipment and stuff. Oh, it was cool. nuts. It was really cool. But it's not like, oh, when was that built? It's like that was built in 1997. <laughs> I know exactly when that was built because he put the year on it. <laughs> it's like currently it's like not a, yeah. in use in your house. I think it's actually at my parents' house. Yeah. Does uh, it keep accurate time? If you wind it, it does. Awesome. You need to wind okay. it. Yeah. No, it was, it's That's really cool. cool. Anyone else? Yeah, so the one thing that comes to mind, uh, when I was a kid, maybe like third grade or so, I saw, uh, I was at David Wells' perfect game as a Yankee. Uh, the giveaway at the game was Valentino, the Beanie Baby. Oh. And so there's <laughs> this special edition Beanie Baby from David Wells' perfect game. Supposedly on eBay, they're fetching a couple hundred bucks right now. Oh! So my mom was talking about putting it up on e- eBay, see if we can actually uh, cash in on that big Valentino money. Make that money. Yeah. There was definitely a period of time where Beanie Babies were like crazy valuable. I feel like that, that market's probably kind of died out a little bit. That's well, what I assumed as well. But then my mom was like, yeah, people are actually, at least they're selling it for that much. Wow. Which goes into a whole other angle about this show. We got to get into that angle. Let's, it's let's do it. Oh, wait, Let's ABC, oh, sorry. trying to, trying no. to capstone that? All right. Let's hit it. So these appraisals. Yeah. So you get these appraisers, and they give you at the end, they're like, okay, you know, they give you some spill, but more or less, they're like, I think that they give you a range. Like, this item is worth between five and $6,000 appraisal. And here's the thing. Who's buying this shit? It has like, to be a very yeah. specific auction. Like some of yeah. them even reference like at like I don't know like a I'm trying to remember but like, like a one rug of those auction. is an art thing. If you go to an yeah. art show, this will be expected. An art gallery, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely seems to me that the prices are optimistic and dependent on you having like the exact right buyer and the right conditions totally. for selling that thing. 
I mean, because that is the big thing. Like, what's the actual demand for this stuff? Like, yes, somebody might buy it at that price, but can you find that person? Do they already have one of these? Like, I mean, it's hard. So, oh, man, it's it's tough because, yeah, it's sort of you need the niche thing to that point. But then these people, like, when they hear these prices, they think, like, they have just gotten the five or $6,000. Like, oh, this item is worth that. And I, I don't know. Like, it, part of me feels like, oh, they kind of feel good, but then it's kind of like... It's really like it's not really true value though. Well, it, you also get the impression that at least I did. Most of these people weren't here to actually sell the item at all. Like most That's of these true. people, it seemed like this was like a curiosity, and they just wanted to know how much it was. Yeah, this is the opposite of opposite of Pawn Stars, right? Mm. Where it's just like these <laughs> yeah. people are just trying to come and sell their shit to get a hundred bucks, to go to slot machine. This is not those people. Yeah, we definitely have to get into the Pawn Stars comparison here. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, we haven't done Pawn Stars yet on the pod, but like... I can't believe we haven't done that one. Which is crazy, but I actually think in a lot of ways, like, Pawn Stars is the version of the show that I actually want, in that, like, you do get to see the clunkers in there that aren't worth anything. You get to see these... Okay, so basic premise of Pawn Stars for people that haven't seen it. These guys own a pawn shop in Las Vegas, much like this, customers come in with their stuff that they're looking to to pawn or sell, and then the dude does, does some history, tells them a little bit about it, and then they basically just haggle with whoever brought it in on the price. Like the they dude, lowball the price every time. They're <laughs> yeah, like, this like, thing's worth twenty bucks. Like these dudes basically <laughs> try to like rip them off and stuff like that. Like like some like sometimes they'll bring in like for the really valuable stuff they'll bring in some kind of quote unquote independent outside appraiser to like give yeah. a price on it. But like these guys are just running this pawn shop business and they're trying to rip off all these people bringing their stuff in. They just call in their buddies. Let's be honest. They're yeah. like, yeah, I know my bike guy down the street. Yeah. He reviews all the bikes. <laughs> he says it's only worth 200 bucks. I don't know. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and you get a lot of situations where people were like, you know, they'll, they'll have the appraiser guy come in and be like, yeah, all right, that's worth, you know, 5,000 bucks at auction or whatever. And, like, that's kind of what we're talking about, the most ideal conditions. And then, like, that guy will leave, and then and then the pawn shop guy will be like, all right, so what do you want for this? And, like, well, that dude said 5,000 bucks. Like, so, you know, it's got to be, you know, five. I'm going to start at 5,000. And the guy's like, it's not worth that. He's like, I'll give like, you two. It's like, it, like, <laughs> like, it's no, not, but seriously, it's not gonna, he's, yeah. like, he's like, he's like, it's not going to sell for that in here. I have to make my profit, like, whatever, whatever. I'll give you 200 bucks for it or whatever it is. <laughs> no, like, sometimes it does go down yeah. crazy like that, and, though. And it's like, it's it's really fun. And, you know, and then people sell the shit, like, on the spot. And there's definitely yeah. a bit of, like, 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 kind of a human story element to this because, like, a lot of these people have a reason why they're coming in to, like, sell their treasured possessions. And you can tell it's, like, a hard, it's a hard decision for a lot of these people. Yeah. It's, it's a, a little, darker yeah. show. It, it, yeah, a little bit darker. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know that I like that show better, to be fair. Like, oh, I like it better. It, there's, <laughs> there's an element that is, like, you can argue is more entertaining. But for some of those reasons, it's kind of a downer because it's, yeah. like... You know, these people oh, are selling yeah. the shit. And, like, the problem I have with Pawn Stars compared to this show, which I didn't find myself feeling that way, is that, like, Pawn Stars, you know they're ripping these people off. And, like, they're just doing it one after another. And you're just watching it. And I feel like after a while, if you watch enough Barn Stars, you're just kind of getting into that mode of just ripping people off. And I feel like it's not great. It's a little dirty. It's a little, yeah, you feel dirty. Yeah. You have to shower after. This is, like, the cleanest show. Yeah, this is really wholesome. This is, like, really rated G. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I... I I like the aspect of Pawn Stars that, like, the item actually gets bought for some amount of money. Because that's the whole thing with this. It's, like, who's going to buy it? Like, the dude at the pawn shop is spending his money on it and taking up space on his shelf in a bet that he's going to be able to sell that thing and make a profit. So, like, you know it's kind of, like, a more real number, right? Well, but, yeah, Yeah. that pawn... So, that guy's going to sell it for, um, like, a 
hopefully a price closer to the appraisal, right? Maybe. Yeah. It depends. I mean, and like, like a lot of times they're like best, most ideal conditions are like the super specific auction for this kind mm-hmm. of thing that has all the right people there, but it's not going to sell for the same price on the shelf of the pawn shop sure. as it's going to sell at the auction. So. Sure. That was interesting. Yeah. And that came up on this show too, um, which is like people bringing in items that they tell them the price if they do something to it. Like there was a painting and there, and they were like, this will be worth this much, but you have to like get it like remounted with a different back or like people had jewelry and they were like, Oh, you have to like take this to a silversmith and like redo this piece. So it like works in this different way and then it'll be worth this amount but i'm kind of interested into like how much those things would cost oh the repair stuff yeah the repairs like just so like what what is the actual value of this it's weird that you would have thought that these appraisers would have also been able to like hey you could take this to a goldsmith or a a smith and get it probably repaired for let's say 100 bucks and then you can sell it for blah Right. right like i'm surprised that you would think that they would know or maybe i don't know maybe that was i feel like it was one time they, they actually said something like that but that was when they had like six thousand dollars for the stuff to fix oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's also kind of surprising to me that like these like very um valuable items like you what like i feel like you should be able to put them up for auction as they are and like if someone is like someone's gonna know that it's not gonna cost anything really to fix it well you can put it up there but like it's it's like a lot of things where you sell like spending a little bit of money to make something sort of look better sure. will pay off in the long run like selling houses and cars it's like a common thing and so i can see it the same thing in the world of antiquing. It's all optics. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I really hate bringing this back to pawn stars all the time. But like, oh. like, like one of the things that's really cool about it is like, like the thing you're talking about is like a part of the negotiation for the item. And it's like, hey, you know, I could buy this from you, but it's gonna cost me four thousand bucks to fix this and be able to sell it. So like, we gotta knock the price down. Like that's kind of part of the thing. Like I do wish that was a little more a part of this. Too. That, that is one of the cool parts of that show. I will give you that is like they'll sometimes do the repairs and like that's that'll be part of the show. They'll do like a five minute segment on it. You know, the next week they'll kind of show like, oh, last time we bought this crazy motorcycle that was missing a whatever, and we totally repaired it. And now we're selling it, and now we sold it to this dude. We took it to Diesel um, Brothers. We took it to <laughs> Diesel Brothers. <laughs> Um, there is a piece here, though. What if I were to tell you there is a show that sits right in between the extremes of Pawn Stars and Antiques Roadshow? Whoa. What is it? I think it does everything Harrison's asking for, although I'm concerned that it's focused on cars. It's the Barrett Jackson Auto Show. Oh. So it's basically the same thing as Antiques Roadshow, kind of merged with Pawn Stars, where... These folks bring in, they're essentially antique cars, or all kind of cars at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it started out as antiques. The internet corner, or somebody will probably yell at me about that. But uh, nonetheless, the idea of the show is um, that you bring your car, and you roll it on the stage, and it is a live, real auction. Uh, and these are cars that, you know, in many cases are antiqued or very old, have been super repaired or cleaned up. It is not a pimp my ride type of thing. It's like a very, oh. like... Yeah. This is, like, real legitimate work that's gone in. And then the people sell it. They have pink slips and, like, documentation, the provocations, cool. all these things. Uh, and so, and then you get the the actual buying. You're like, oh, like, like, and part of the fun of watching that show is you're like, man, that's an interesting-looking car. I wonder how much that'll go for. And then, like, you start to see the price climb. And there's people from around the world that call in. Uh, and, like, the price started, you know, 100000 120. It's, like, going up. And it's just kind of fun to, like, watch cool. it go up. Uh, so it's an interesting one. I would say that kind of sits right in between these two shows, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool if at the end of every Antiques Roadshow item, they like immediately gave that person a deal on the table that they had to take or leave. A deal or no deal sort of deal situation. No deal. Well, do, do you give it to them before you tell them the price or after ooh, you tell them the price? That would be a good <laughs> ooh. So, like, yeah. So I totally agree with you. And this is kind of uh, like 
I'm wondering about how the whole Antiques Roadshow operation works and why it exists the way that it does. Because, like, we saw the thing, and they had this whole operation where they have all these appraisers, and there's shit ton of people coming in. Like, does this all exist to produce, like, this TV show and to just pick out the ones that they want to put on TV? Or is, like, there's some kind, of, some kind of other business going on here where they're, like, finding valuable antiques, they're buying them from people, reselling? Like, is there something else happening? Or I say yes. Noah's clearly shaking his head it's no. It's PBS. What's it? No, it's no, no. The show is PBS, but like I think Harrison's like, point is yeah. that like this show, this whole convention, it's like it's like Antiques Week in Seattle, and everyone's bringing all their shit. And part of the thing that gets produced on PBS is the show, but like the other whole side of it, I bet like people are selling. It's a trade oh, show, sure, like yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Okay, yeah, totally. Yeah, I like I think this is like a probably a week long affair or something, and like there's stalls. You walk around because yeah, the other totally. part of this, which we didn't really get into, which is I think part of the community of the show, is like the people that go antiquing. Like people, like there is a legitimate size. I don't the know how genre big, of people. As the you genre said. of people <laughs> that are the antiquers. They go hunting out for antiquing. The tiki's. The tiki's. I don't know what they go by. What do they like to go by? You think? Mm. This doesn't end in a good place. Probably not. No. Um, I actually. So when I was in uh, Minnesota on a trip, uh, I think it was Stillwater, Minnesota. There for a wedding, lovely wedding. Uh, but that aside, we went to an antique shop one day. It was fun to walk around. But I clearly didn't buy anything or know how much anything was worth. So it was like it was kind of like walking through a museum a little bit. Yeah. But you could buy the stuff. Antique shops are pretty cool. Yeah, like it was They're interesting. Really cool. I don't know. Like I don't know. It's the kind of thing that I could like go out of my way or make a day of and like okay, I'm gonna go see 15 antique stops today. Sure. But it was, it was like as a store on like Main Street of this small town was like a fun thing to do. Yeah. That's about the extent of it. Didn't you go to get the perfume bottle recently? Uh, yeah, the yeah. There's here? a big like kind of Seattle antiques market down there on on Alaskan Way, and I think things pretty popular. A lot yeah. of crazy stuff in there. Is this like a known thing? Yeah, it's like famous. I feel like the show no, really should have covered that. I should have learned that from the show. Hey, yeah. we can all we can all go to the antiques Seattle Ooh. market, maybe yeah. find some treasures. Yeah. Well, James, like this, this was season 17. It might, it might not have been the first time they've come to Seattle. So this <laughs> time they decided to focus on Jimi Hendrix instead of uh, other uh, other Seattle uh, local tidbits. What was the deal with that part of the show? So there was like two, maybe three segments of this like EMP museum stuff going on? Well, we're, we got to get back to that. But there's there's something about this show that I cannot believe has not come up yet. Oh, yeah. That we, we need to get into before we get into that segment. <laughs> Are we talking about the opening scene? <laughs> we were talking about... <laughs> The person <laughs> billed as the host of Antiques Roadshow, <laughs> Annabeth, who is the host of this show? Oh, my God. Those blue eyes came on, and it was none other than Mark L. Wahlberg. Oh, no. The devil. <laughs> <laughs> he hosted this show. But I think now that, now that we're talking about it, I am pretty sure that when we looked up Mark L. Wahlberg originally, like we learned this and forgot and then somehow we watched this program for the pod. This and definitely it was horrible to see him again. <laughs> Haunting. I don't know. Harrison seemed real excited. I don't think horrible's Lord. I, I was. Think Harrison screamed. Harrison yeah, I did. Jumped out of his chair. <laughs> he definitely jumped well, out of his chair. All right. Here's here's the sequence of, of events as it happened, and I think that a similar thing might have happened when we started watching Temptation Island. This guy walks on, and I immediately said, "Is that Chris Harrison?" Because <laughs> as as that reiterated, is exactly what happened. Because as if you go back and listen to the Temptation Island pod, like 
Mark L. Wahlberg looks exactly <laughs> like Chris Harrison. So first I said, is that Chris Harrison? <laughs> One of our friends who is uh, a big Bachelor Nation fan immediately said, that is not Chris Harrison. <laughs> and then, and then we, it turns out it's Mark L. Wahlberg, Satan himself. He's back. El Diablo. Well, I guess this was first, but still... It really, it really doesn't fit his whole, his whole vibe. It's no. weird. It seemed like so, like if if someone was gonna be conning these people out of their antiques, like that should have been Mark L. Wahlberg's role. Yeah, like after you get the appraisal, like, do you want to stay with this antique or do you want to sell it to me right here, right now? Yeah, they should definitely hand off to Mark L. Wahlberg to do that, do that deal do with that the devil. Do that dirty work. <laughs> I feel like that's how you make the show into a twist. You put it to Temptation Roadshow. You like Temptation describe. Roadshow. You describe the piece. You say, okay, before I give you the appraisal, you can take the $100 now or wait for the appraisal, <laughs> you know, and potentially lose whatever we're, we're, we're going to give you, right? And then you just break people's heart Maybe. time and time again. <laughs> Maybe you set it up like... You don't offer them money, but like you get to see someone else's antique and decide whether or not to trade with them. Whoa. Oh. You get to decide whether you think your thing is better than their thing. So it's like an antiques battle, essentially. That, maybe it's like an antiques white elephant. That's <laughs> what I want it to be, actually. Ooh, that'd be good. Everybody puts their antiques in the middle. They're all wrapped up. Like they hear the appraisal story, but not yeah. the price. You hear the stories, whatever, whatever. Then you decide. What do you do? Who is left with the quarter million dollar painting? Does that desk need to be on Temptation Island? Ha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that desk inspired Mark L. Wahlberg's later career choice. <laughs> it's possible. Yes, we had Mark L. Wahlberg in that. Yeah, James brought this up earlier, but the genre of people, uh, as James, I guess, <laughs> yeah, on, on, on the show. Um, yeah, it was very apparent that. There was only white people on this show. Uh, I think there was one or two Asian people. Um, and we're talking about they're cycling through a lot of people. Uh, oh, we definitely. How many do we get a final item count? Uh, we can go. We, I'll, we should I'll pull it up. up. Well, Noah discusses. Yeah, the, the lack of diversity in this show or potentially the broader antiquing community uh, was starkly apparent in the Seattle area. Yeah, yeah, that that's I think an important point. Like, would this be would that be a different picture if it wasn't Seattle? I mean, given the Seattle demographics, but Se- Seattle's not like a non-diverse city. But it's sure. the kind of people that just have antiques because they've been in their house for fifty years. Like that, right? You know. So, how many items do you guys think we saw tonight? Thirty-three. Oof. I was gonna say thirty-five. Yeah, it's got. I mean, it's got to be in that zone. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna go. Well, so are, so are we counting the bonus time at the end where they railed off wow. like ten of them? No, that no. was okay. No. Okay. So I think twenty nine. I'm thinking eighteen. I'll go thirty. I counted sixteen. Oh, Brian wow. is our big winner. Wow, I really thought he was lowballing that one. It seemed like more. It seemed like so many. That's the thing with the show. I know the show went on and on and on, but is <laughs> it's. It's dense. It's moving. Like, there's no commercial breaks. And there's no, like, trying to tee up what's coming next and stuff. It's just they talk about the item a bunch. Then they drop the, ah, this is actually worth $5,000. Then, boom, on to the next one. And you just go in again. And that's where, like, the EMP thing came in, I think. It was like, we need some break in the middle. Just give you a couple minutes to get something else going before we get back to, like, just all kinds of different items. But 16. I really thought it was more. Yeah. 
But that's the glory of PBS. It has no commercials, so we can just keep rolling. <laughs> it, <laughs> it never it's, stops. It's, it's brought to you with contributions from viewers like you. It also seems that when this originally aired, this aim aired as a full three-hour special on Seattle. Oh, you think it actually airs like all three hours? No, ago? I think it They're does. Split it up. No, I, 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 what a marathon! I mean, I'm basing this off the movie Grandma's Boy, but I think that it, they just freaking marathon this thing. I mean, because when it's listed on the thing, it says Seattle hour one, hour two, hour three. Okay, but Maybe. Like, they're definitely splitting up into hour chunks. Like, but they just roll from one to another. Like, it's just a show show for like eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's just the thing. I think you get a, you get you know you start hanging out, you start watching it, and that's it. But isn't it is very yeah. soothing? Like this, I think is like ASMR for the mind. It's <laughs> definitely not. It's not stressful at all. There's there are no stakes. There's no drama. nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Like like Nothing's the worst sale. thing that happens is someone's like slightly disappointed. And right. then but then we didn't really dumpster. see that. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. seems like they they don't really focus on the this is useless. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this is junk. This is trash. <laughs> they don't they don't do the American Idol thing where they're like they let the really good ones through, but they definitely let yeah. some real bad ones yeah. through just for comparison. Just for kicks. Yeah, I mean, if you think of the beginning of the show, like it seems like every item generally increased in price. It like, really did. Yeah, it, it wasn't totally linear, but you know, at the beginning it was maybe like a couple thousand. At the end, we're at two fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely closed with a banger. Which is weird. I was starting to notice that trend. I'm like, well, I guess they're just going to keep ramping up, which is a weird, I don't know. It's weird for the show to do that, I feel like. But really, Um, like, at the end of it, like, they did the blooper reel. I think that, like, they just cut out, like, a lot of, like, the bad stuff and throw it at the end. Yeah. Because it's just not worth watching that. Well, I think literally what's happening is, like, the people are going, like, all the stuff's going in the background of people are talking to these appraisers, and then they, like, flag, like, oh, this we, is got, a good one. we got a good one. We got some, and then it's like, okay, you got to come up to the front, and we're going to set up the camera, and, like, and it's all a whole production to kind of get there. Though it's pretty, like, I guess you know, because they don't show any clunkers, you know if you get brought to the table, you're going to get something, which is, like, actually explains something that I found kind of surprising, is, like, the reactions of the people when you get told what it's worth was much more <laughs> muted than I said. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Harrison's reaction <laughs> to Mark L. Wahlberg on <laughs> TV was by far the most excited reaction I saw tonight. But maybe that's because it's like you know you already know like oh I'm coming to the center table to be on yeah. the show. Something's good happen. So when it gets dropped, oh this is worth like twelve thousand dollars. Like oh oh okay. And it's not like total like I can't believe this is this is worth this much. Do you think they already know that when they get there? Do you think it's actually kind of rehearsed to a, a small degree? I bet they can't know the actual number, but the mm-hmm. degree they must know like oh this this is something interesting or yeah. this is something worth putting on the show. I bet this is true. Yeah. And then they got the blooper of like, hey, when you don't get picked to go on the show, yeah, you can go in front of this camera and just do a confessional of like, what you got? You're like, this thing was garbage. It was worth nothing. <laughs> the the big difference, I think, is that, you know, the shows that we watch, like all these reality shows that we watch, they're picking the people that are on TV and they're casting people based on their personality <laughs> and how fiery or, or interesting they are. And in this case, you're making it on TV because you brought a thing that's worth money, not because you're interesting. And I think that that kind of plays into it a little bit. Well, that plus, like, most of the shows we watch have some kind of goal or, like, some kind of plot. And this is this is very, very that's easy, it. very the gentle. Goal is bring an item. Just bring in stuff. We'll tell you if it's worth anything. We'll show you stuff. That's a bit. Yeah. Maybe there's a story along the way. Maybe not. This I was guy wondering can... if you guys wanted to revisit some of these items. Well, if we want to chat about anything highlights. in particular. Um, let's talk about... Green Bull. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Green Bull. <laughs> Brian, can you tell us anything you remember about the Green Bull? It basically looked like a jack-o'-lantern bowl, but only <laughs> but really green. 
Super green. <laughs> That's a great description. It looks like it was made of plastic. Yeah. It definitely did not look like an antique or valuable. <laughs> th- th- this is pretty early when we definitely thought there was going to be some like clunkers. And For we sure. were all like, this bowl is worth $10. We're like, they're going to break it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not 100% sure about this, but I thought that I caught that they said that that bowl was made in the same place for that blown away glass blowing show is I think that yeah I think that's true I heard that last place no it it was the same yeah Yeah. and they use like a cool technique of like using acid to like eat the patterns on the bowl like it was pretty cool that bowl told a story (laughs) um do you guys remember how much the bowl was worth I've written down the price not much five thousand four thousand twelve three thousand thanks for playing this game Um, that was some... totally an item that you would see at a garage sale and just think it was trash. Totally. Straight By looking trash. at it. I have no way of knowing. But I was thinking it gets back to your idea of you see that bowl at your like parents' house. Like, we're going to throw this out. This is like, <laughs> yeah. this is definitely just some, some garbage taking up space. We got to get rid of this. To thing. Goodwill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, how much, oh, there's a whole Goodwill aspect to this now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, think yeah. of those antiques as ro- rolling in and they have no idea. I mean, people must bring so much actual garbage to these events. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, I mean, I even sort of feel it now after watching one episode of this show. Like, next time I go to, like, Goodwill or something, I'm going to be like, could this be the Green Bull? Like, maybe. (laughs) It'll be garbage, but. It's probably garbage. I bet they have to sort through a lot of stuff. Um, Here's another item. uh, The Bernard Buffet painting (laughs) we talked about a little bit. That ended up being $25,000. But you have to go to France to get it validated. Yeah. yeah you didn't have that validation. So I had to get the experts to uh, confirm it's not a fake. Right? It pays for An itself. An authentic buffet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got this Buffett painting. <laughs> Bernie Buffett. Uh, this was an interesting one that we mentioned briefly. Letters written by Albert Einstein. Which oh, it was unpublished and unpublished. unreleased. This story definitely sounded like the fakest story ever. Totally. Like, My yeah. grandfather yeah. wrote this book and he was pals with Albert Einstein. So he asked him to write the foreword. And here's Albert Einstein's typewritten notes that he signed. But they didn't actually use the foreword in the book. So this is like an unpublished work. It's like, this is some, yeah. some like, BS. There's how no you way typed this, this hours ago? <laughs> how are they authenticating that? I guess it's the signature, but it's nuts. Like And the paper somehow. I'm sure they can tell like what the paper is made of. Right. right. You probably have to triangulate. Like, one, could they, did Albert Einstein have a typewriter? That Wasn't the it handwritten? No, no, no it's it typed. It type, then there's it was a handwritten signed. signature. Mm. Right, but you so can you probably like, tell like what type right. of typewriter right, was right. used. So if you knew like Albert Einstein had that type of typewriter, then you see okay the date of the ink in the paper, and it's yeah. like yeah, you probably just start increasing the confidence, but can never be like guaranteed from him. Yeah, and 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 we learned in this episode that there's a decent market for Albert Einstein notes. Like this is not like there's like yeah, you know sometimes these come out. You know, they're worth about $8,000, whatever. And like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This, always, this actually brings up a market I never understood the value of, which is signatures in general. I never understood the value of getting things signed. Like, I just don't see why there's value in it. I mean, I, I think that it is the signature is proof that that person held that thing as I think like part of it. It's like that person and that thing were in the same place at the same time. And like, now you have it. Yeah. That's kind of like my impression of the signature thing. And it's thing, more but limited. Yeah. Right. But there's inherent value, like, so, like, athletes sign jerseys a lot, right? Mm-hmm. 
sign all sorts of stuff. There's inherent value of like Wayne Gretzky holding a jersey for a second and then and signing, yeah, to prove that he, that yeah. Well, there's also value in the fact that Wayne Gretzky signed it. Right, uh, so like I, I, he has only like signed question. so like, many why? things in his life, like, why? and he is a famous person. Like, like you know. signing it, you know. Let's be honest, you're only so famous. You know, it's only worth so much. It might be worth a little bit. I'm not saying it's not worth anything. I am on this podcast, but I'm just saying, Noah, can, can you sign it? But can you sign it the internet corner and not Noah? Right. Like if we get you to start <laughs> signing the <laughs> yes. mics and we start distributing the mics out, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll do that. Who knows? Anything can happen. But the point of the story being. That, you know, that person, like, we are all people, everyone's going to die at some point. There's a limited number of things that famous person has signed. That, that got dark all of a sudden. It did get a yeah. little dark. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah, like, I, I wouldn't just sure if anyone knew that. Like, it just always... It's, 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 like, it, it, but yeah. it's, like, sentimental, too. It's, like, you know, if someone wrote you a letter and, like, they signed their name, like, I feel like mm-hmm. it's a little bit like that. No, here's how I'd answer that. It's not rational. But certain That's people... Right. Yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Collect, I mean, collecting one, things is not like the most rational thing to do, right? Like if you're if yep. you're being very practical, collecting yeah. some anything is not the most practical thing to do. Besides money. Well, but the <laughs> the reason that it's valuable in that case is because there's some inherent value that somebody else values that thing. That is true. Very true. Right. Yeah. Like somebody else values that jersey or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, in this show, a lot of the signatures we saw were, like, verification. Right. Um, and I do think for this Einstein one, this is, like, attached to a one-of-a-kind document. So this one's, like, a little bit different. Purported one-of-a-kind document. Purported. <laughs> the, the, well, one thing one thing about this document, though, to go back to verification, do you think they have some kind of forensics lab that all these appraisers have access to? Like, are they, they like, taking samples of all these items, like, on the convention floor? I don't think they're, like, carbon dating or anything, but, like, they're sure. probably, like taking photos and able to compare it to sort of stuff like that. But like, oh, there was that story about the guy who took the picture of the desk. Oh, right? yeah. And sent it to the guy who made it? Kagan. Or who designed it. Vladimir who Kagan. It, yeah. Who the first time they said it, I thought he said, this desk was from <laughs> Vladimir Putin. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> It's like Putin is the crazy sex desk. What? <laughs> I emailed it to him and he called me right away. <laughs> he called me five minutes later. <laughs> That was wild. It's like you took but my desk. The last thing on the Einstein thing is that was the moment where I was like, okay, none of these are fake. We'd seen enough at that point, and I was like, this sounds so fake. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, this is worth like $12,000. <laughs> like, okay, these are all going to be worth a lot of money. Like, yeah. <laughs> it definitely took the surprise element at that point. Yeah. yeah. Was there any other uh, interesting yeah, let's hit. Yeah, let's hit some highlights here. Oh, uh, we got, okay, so we got a dress. Worn by Dottie Lamour, I think is her name. How would you describe Dottie? Well, I've got a quote here from the appraiser who was telling the story of this dress. So this dress apparently was, I guess, given by Dottie to these soldiers at Pearl Harbor. And she signed it. Um, and the appraiser is telling us who Dottie is. And she says, when we think of sex pots, we automatically think of Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. But, and then she explains, Miss Dottie. And a lot of people tonight learned the word sex pot. There you go. It's like like a period specific term. Like, why is Marilyn Monroe the most famous sex Sex pot? I mean, there's there's a lot of beautiful women since Marilyn Monroe. Like, why is she the quintessential sex pot? Well, I think think because in this context, we were talking about classic movie stars. Mm hmm. Oh, but but, it, I think but the word isn't tied to that no. generation or something. Like it's I not mean, tied it's to not like a common 50s. word. Perhaps it was more trendy. 
like a few decades ago, but like that word just means I looked it up on Oxford Dictionary, a sexy person. Mm. Wow. But it's so like what, one of those so when you are, look at like the usage lines, you know, those usage yeah. charts where it's, it's still like high. it was probably peak in the 50s and then it's No, sorta... it looks like it it jumped up in the 50s, but uh. it stayed strong ever Whoa. since. But I think it just never got that strong. What's the 2019 slang version of sex pot? Hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is where we have to put the warning ooh. on the bottom. <laughs> 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 the content. We can we can move on. I didn't. I thought there might be a quick answer to that. Mm. A dime. A dime. Ah. <laughs> there you go. Maybe. Yeah, I like that one. Was there a f- special word for the dress? Like it wasn't a dress. It a was sarong. a. It was a sarong. Oh, sarong. Because Thank she you, was in movies. She was in a movie called The Jungle Princess, ooh. where she wore a classic sarong and looked beautiful. And she became Very like sexy. the sarong lady or something. The sarong, yeah, queen or something. Yeah. <laughs> she was the most beautiful wearing sarong. Is <laughs> <laughs> it something like that? The most <laughs> beautiful <laughs> sarong <laughs> wearer. There was definitely some crazy fact like that that came out. Doesn't make, okay. Uh, here's one that I thought was a horrible item that should be in the trash. There were there was a set of three spooky woodcut paintings that were just terrifying. I kept zooming in on them. They were like these haunting scenes from like a dark forest, and one was some kind of bird, and I hated them. It was very scary, very creepy. I thought they weren't even paintings; they were prints. Yeah, they were wood woodcut prints. Wood, they were awful. Prints. They were awful. But that was one where they that key they had the the letter authenticating them it was, that was the unfortunately it was like some artist when he was in like art school made these and then when i'm be- to become a famous artist whose style is completely <laughs> different from these paintings basically and apparently at some point the owner of these paintings contacted the original artist or, or the original artist contacted her or something and wanted to buy the paintings back because they were meaningful to him and sentimental from his art school days and she fucking said no I'm taking it to Antiques Roadshow and I'm selling these things. And she used the le- his letter that he mailed to her to offer to buy them. She used that as proof that they're his prints. So as a good. prop. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Did they just get this letter? I thought it was like this letter came in like 20 years ago and now they're just yeah. getting for it. Like, it makes sound like they got the letter and then two <laughs> days later they're at Antiques Roadshow. Like, We're doing finally. It. <laughs> you never know. Okay, so those ended up being seven to $10,000 each. <laughs> which yeah. is wild uh what else did we go through there were some tiny german soldier bobbleheads which or nodders 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 which the appraiser called amusing <laughs> that was fun i was trying, like that was like the cheapest <laughs> thing we saw it was like only like fifteen hundred dollars and that appraiser was so fired up <laughs> he was so yeah. happy and he was like, I some definitely people thought like decorate. 50 thousand was coming or something <laughs> yeah. those were definitely the things that were like this is just old junk and the fact that it's old is the reason why it has a price on it. Yeah. Uh, let me let me pop through another couple things. We had a piece of pottery, um, which wasn't that interesting, but the uh, the appraiser's name was French, spelled with two Fs. French. <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> French. Uh, then we had my favorite appraiser was Bruce M. Shackelford, <laughs> who appraised <laughs> who appraised a tea cozy, but. He knew it was a tea cozy, and he quizzed the lady who was selling it. He was like, she was like, it looks kind of like a hat. And he was like, but what does it do? (laughs) What is it? What is it? Like The thing you didn't see is 30 seconds before the camera started rolling, there's like, okay, we're going to go on, and you're going to tell the story of this thing and what it is. And then she didn't do it, and the guy started to be like, well, what is it? It was so weird. She froze on the camera. (laughs) That guy was wearing an NFL ring. And the tea cozy was two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> also, that was the fastest <laughs> transition of the night. 
Oh yeah, he, he just, goes, he just <laughs> rolls it. He yeah. just like dropped in that twenty k whatever it was, and then boom, we're on to the next well, thing. So well, fast. but also what he did here, he asks her again. He puts her on the spot. How much do you think it's worth? And she's like, I, I don't know, maybe like a couple hundred bucks. Is it's worth two thousand. Next <laughs> item, <laughs> it just wipes. To the Star net. wipe. <laughs> uh, like there were definitely kind of two tiers of things. There were like t- things that they were gonna, like take a bunch of time and have the whole table set up and like the whatever and, and do it. And then there were a couple of these quick hits in there. They're just like quick assessment, tell you the price, get out. No graphics on the screen, like in and great. out. But the tea cozy was amazing. We got just a couple more. We got these kind of spooky jade women, where the appraiser said, "I've seen a lot of jade maidens in my day." <laughs> that was twenty-five to forty thousand dollars. This Shocking. is when a part of the show where the prices start going up like unexplainably. Yeah, things really leveled up here. Um, right after that, we had hashtag Roadshow Bling, <laughs> a special hashtag which was which was shown on the screen during Antiques Roadshow. There's something about a combination of Antiques Roadshow and hashtags <laughs> feels like it should not exist. <laughs> two different worlds. Are they doing it? I, like I don't. Yeah, it's yeah. two different worlds. Sand Although this point. On, on the bling. The appraisers wore an unusual amount of very ostensible jewelry. Yeah. Like, you mentioned the football ring. The wom- uh, One of the women who was a- appraisers had, like, this huge gold, like, necklace like on. Like a rope. It was, like, yeah. a huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like a rope. Uh, and then also <laughs> the appraiser's ties. They had very... <laughs> very bold ties. Bold, yeah. That's what we call hashtag roadshow style. Roadshow yeah. style. Like, very much like turning around 50. They want to get a tie that makes them like seem like they're in for casual Friday. You know, and so they get the Felix the Cat tie that show their personality. Like, that's, that's what we're dealing with. Got a bunch of cool appraisers. So um, any other uh, minutiae we want to get into before the rating? Because I feel like it's about rating time pretty soon here. Uh, the only thing I can think of is the feedback booth, but we kind of touched on that. Uh, we should hit the the EMP stuff really quick. Hit it. Basically, and I, I assume that they do this in every episode, but because it's in Seattle, they want to give you a little bit of Seattle history, show you some valuable Seattle antiques. So the most valuable thing that we saw on on this show was Jimi Hendrix's pants <laughs> that he wore at Woodstock and some other festivals as well. And then, uh, but specifically, he played the Star Spangled Banner, uh, famous recording yeah. in these pants, in these blue velvet pants. Yeah, he wore them in his Woodstock performance. And then he, there was some other jacket that wasn't quite worth as much, but still worth some insane amount of money. And like a casual vest. And he didn't have to sign any of them for it to be worth anything. <laughs> but if they were signed, then who knows? Can you imagine? <laughs> who knows? It'd definitely be worth more if they were signed. I don't know, dude. I, I think I'm so. not sure if you ruin those pants by signing them. If they're not if they're more. signed by <laughs> Jimi Hendrix himself. Like, like I think that like part of the point. You're telling me Jimi Hendrix signs his own guitar and it's worth less somehow? I think that part, like part of the point of this whole of this whole section is that they talk about the kind of the different ways that things can be verified. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like the way that they've verified these clothes is because there's video of him playing the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock in, those in pants. his pants, right? And like that's the thing that verifies it and like makes it valuable. And maybe it might be more valuable if he signs it. What if he had a closet full of those pants? How do you know <laughs> yeah. those are the Star Spangled Banner? That's pants? a great question. Yeah. I really like to imagine those <laughs> pants were just like the most popular item at Old Navy at that point in time. Oh yeah, and like all these kids had those <laughs> pants, and everyone threw them away like five years later because like yeah. these pants are insane. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I like it. to think about. 
Maybe he didn't <laughs> sign them like to make them valuable. Maybe he just wrote his name on the on the tag because oh. there are all these cool hippies at the concert, and someone might take them. Could go. be. There you go. I, I wish I had the internet corner right now. <laughs> Man, we've really cut the internet corner off. Man. We put we put him in a tub, and he Man. doesn't know what to do. What was the famous clothing store at that time? Did their stock raise? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how often did Jimi Hendrix shop at Old Navy? <laughs> I was waiting for the internet corner to tell us all about hashtag roadshow uh, bling, oh, and uh, I, I didn't get the update. We we, we could have found some really good Twitterers. One, uh, one last minutia thing that kind of like was like just to know the stats. Like, how many of these people actually try to sell this thing? And for people who do try to sell it, how much does it match the appraisal? Like, I don't know how there's a way to get all this info, but I would like some sort of, like, feedback loop on, like, okay, so what, what are we actually going to... Or, like, could the six of us set up our own anti-grocery and be like, oh, yeah, dead $20,000. And it's like, yeah, no, no one ever knows because they don't actually put it up for auction. And yeah. I got to yeah. imagine there's some sort of, like, these people have been deemed worthy somehow to give these appraisals, right? Yeah. There for must sure. be yeah, some yeah, qualification, yeah. certific... You know, certifications, et cetera, that makes them somehow qualified beyond us, you know, six dummies in a hot tub but <laughs> talking about like, it. I compared to like, you know, like if you watch ESPN and there are people making predictions about the games and they're wrong all the time. That's and true. It's like, well, that they're just there because they used to play and so they're quote unquote experts. Like, oh yeah, these antiques people make predictions over how much things go for and they're wrong like just as often as they're right. Who knows? I mean, yeah. like they're yeah. they're they're, they're kind of incentivized in the show to be a little more bullish in their predictions and say that things are kind of worth on the higher end because it makes for better TV and stuff. So, I mean, it's probably a little bit of that, too. Yeah, yeah but uh, to find out what these sold for, I would make a very hard bet. There is an active subreddit on Antique Roadshow probably. that probably tracks us down. Um, Sponsored by Reddit. There's another kind of related show, and I hate to keep bringing all these little shows <laughs> in here. Oh, there's okay. another related show uh, called American Pickers, <laughs> and it's basically like these two dudes drive around like in their pickup truck to like people who just have a bunch of junk and they just like sift around their junk and then pick out like the things that they know are valuable and like, like take you got him. this 1930s Coca-Cola road sign that was on Route 66. It's right. worth $50,000. Right, exactly. And they you know haggle with the guy or whatever like you know buy it from him, but then like at the end of the episode they'll say like okay, you know, here's what like it was bought for. Here's what they ended up selling it for. Here's how much they made on it, kind of thing, which is kind of nice. There's a lot of clearly a lot of room for these shows. There's a lot of market out yeah, there, yeah, for sure. So with that, maybe it's rating times. Uh, hey Brian, tell me how you feel about the show. I think it's bottom of the top. Bottom of the top. Any details you want to add to that? I mean, honestly, I think it's just a Zen show. Like you kind of see crazy outfits. The people watching is the best part. But then, like older episodes, actually has some duds, and I was looking forward to that. <laughs> Very fair. Lack of without the duds. Hey Noah, how do you feel about the show? Solid middle. Straight, straight middle. Uh I like that it is very fast paced. Right? The turnover feels high. You don't feel like you're being like dragged along for too long. I wish there was more of this drama that we're looking for, right? Like something else on like try to to flip it or more of like compare contrast. Go deeper into something that's really more interesting, and so that's why I can't put it higher than the middle. Fair points. Gonna change it up. Annabeth, how do you feel about the show? Wow, uh, I think it's a solid middle. I think it's a great show. It's very relaxing. You learn some facts. You see a lot of people. You see a lot of stuff. It's very cool. Hey Rob, how do you feel about the show? Uh, I'm gonna stick with the trend. I'm gonna put it in the middle. I thought it was interesting. This show does not feel like other shows. Like it's very like, distinctive in how the 
the feel of it that it's like not trying to you know it doesn't feel like the normal reality show kind of editing and stuff and the the tranquilness to it but I didn't enjoyed watching it, but like I can't imagine be like, you know what I want to do now? I want to watch some antique road show. Like I, I cannot <laughs> picture us do that. And some of the fun was just having a group all guessing what the price was going to be. And so like sitting by myself, I don't think it would be as into it. So it's definitely a, a good show and like an interesting time. But like I think it's uh, more middle than top. Cool, Harrison, what do you got? Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty similar boat. I mean, I, I think it's a middle third show for me. Uh, I liked watching. I liked learning about all the stuff, hearing some of the insights from the from the appraisers. Um, I agree with Noah. Like, I wish that there was a little bit more of the follow through on like, is this stuff sellable at this price? Can anybody make any money from this stuff? Like, I, I wish that there was there, there was a little bit more stuff like that. Um, some of those aspects from Pawn Stars, American Pickers, etc. <laughs> How many of these? Shows How many other shows do you want to name drop? I don't know. Uh, Are we gonna have to do a theme month of shows Harrison compares <laughs> to Antiques Roadshow? Yeah. Should we do Antiques Roadshow inspired month? Yeah, it's Ooh. called just the History Channel, and they have all these shows. Uh, <laughs> oh, History Channel is uh, has a good track record. Oh yeah, a treasure chest. Middle third. There you have it. He's in the middle. Um. So with this one, I, th- I think, again, yeah, a lot of the reasons similarly stated, I would put in the middle, but I will put in the top of the middle, uh, mostly just because it's it's a really positive. There's really no downers of the show. Um, I do kind of wish there were some clunkers just to keep it interesting. Um, and I think to that similar point, like, I don't know that I would go out of my way to necessarily watch it, but if it was on and there were some people around that are like, hey, have you ever seen this? You know, have you ever w- actually watched it? Like, I would totally watch it again. Uh, so, yeah, top of the middle. There you have it. All arounds. Now the most important piece of the Who Put This On podcast. Yes. I feel like we got some updates to get into. I'm curious of what other shows people have been going on. Uh, I know that we're going to want to at least touch on some Are You The One updates. So I'm curious before we dive deep in there, are there any other things people have been watching as a quicker update? Yeah, I'll just expect us to go into Who Put... What did MTV put on? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the MTV (laughs) section. It's coming up soon. Um... Handmaid's Tale, actually finally getting into it. And solid show. Money Heist on uh, Netflix. It's a Spanish show. Funny enough, or at least shocking to me, the English voiceover works very well. First show I've ever seen do that well, where it's not like annoying to watch. Yeah, which which one was this? Money Heist. Money Heist, okay, let's see that. On Netflix. And then obviously Ballers is back on, so that's great. <laughs> Su- uh, Succession is back on, so that's great. So for so. Ballers, I, I've heard on the radio today that they, just when you thought the stakes couldn't be any higher, they will get higher every week now. That was the quote. I don't, so I, do, yeah. do you feel like that's kind of the? I sort of fell off the Who bandwagon. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, the Rock Stugatz oh. on the Dan Lebatard and Stugatz podcast. I think uh, I, ESPN. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so it does kind of feel that vibe. Okay. Yeah. Like, well, I, 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 I sort I, of I fell off of like the details, end of season two, but I think that's a good like. Little it keeps ramping. Line. Like they keep giving these characters. Um, bigger and bigger either problems or opportunities Mm -hmm. and then the drama that unfolds managing that as like each of the the characters in a show it's kind of this uh tension between them not knowing who they really are or striving to be someone better and like then the stress that comes with trying to be someone better like and they just keep going in that that cycle gotcha brian you've been watching anything i feel like we haven't had you on the pod in a little bit you got any got any updates or things you've been doing no, I mean, I was traveling for a little bit, starting a new job, so I haven't been watching much TV. Yeah, I mean, that's a good reason, you know, good excuses. Yeah. <laughs> but now, now you're back. Yeah, now I need to catch up on Are You The One. 
Oh. Oh, man. Okay. Was that a segue? That was a good segue. That was a segue, <laughs> but I got it would also be right. a, You're, we need to not super spoil things for Brian. I mean, you can go a little bit deep. Like, I'm still going to watch it. We, okay. won't, we don't have to spoil anything. I think we can talk in general a little bit about it because we can also do an Are You the One catch up after we finish the season. That's yeah, true. Yeah, we'll yeah. do we'll do a full, maybe we'll do an addendum. Who knows? Yeah. I got a real quick thing before we get to Are You the One. Harrison, did you listen to last week's pod? Uh, I haven't yet. Okay. So the Dancing with the Stars cast was announced. Yeah. And I asked Chris if he was interested that Kamaro from Queer Eye was going to be on. <gasps> and he said, no way. I hate that show. Oh. Dancing with the Stars. Did you Chris know? Chris did? Chris. Chris hated it? Hates Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I thought, oh, he, I thought Queer Eye. I was going to say, because he loves Queer Eye. No, he loves Queer Eye. He will not watch Dancing with the Stars, even if the guy from Queer Eye is on. Fair. Did you know Kel from Keenan and Kel is going to be on this oh. season? Wow. Of I and did not are know you that. now in? I did not know that. I'm conflicted. I mean, you got Kel on one hand, you got Sean Spicer over here. I'm, I'm not, not sure if I can support. Oh, Spicy's in there Ooh, too? Spicy's what? in there? Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't really want to get into that part Ooh. of it. Oh. But I'd, I'd ask Harrison about Kel uh, for uh, being on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, I do have uh, what I guess could be considered some sort of an antique in my home. Uh, if you're familiar <laughs> with Kel Mitchell. <laughs> oh, this is true. Also, I'll let you tell it. Also, going back to the <laughs> No, I just got really excited because I know some of the details, but please do share. The value of a signature. Yeah. Well, right. I, yeah, that was, I was, yeah. Man, you guys are really, we really stole all over the my punchline there. So, I do have a Kel Mitchell related item. And when I was uh, working in a previous job, Kel was like hosting this like event that we had sponsored. And so I went and I got a two liter of orange soda from a 7-Eleven and got Kel to sign it. And uh, I now have a two liter of orange soda with Kel's signature on my, on my shell. So. Was Kel happy to sign the orange soda? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can tell that that happens all the time. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's he's made his piece of it, I think. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's only the third time this week soda. I got to sign an orange soda bottle. Who loves orange soda? Kel loves orange soda. <laughs> Now, did you get the letter of authenticity? No, I didn't. I should have gotten a picture of him with the bottle or something. <laughs> you definitely should have gotten a selfie with the orange soda and the signature. Damn. This might have been pre-camera phone. No. This was not. No? Should, I, I think it was a while ago. Should yeah. we no, say... Dude, the iPhone came out when I was in college. But you, you had one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you think we'll have to carbon date that bottle? Well, I was uh, saying, should someday. we send Harrison to Antique Roadshow with the, the bottle? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to well, get that letter of authenticity first. Here's the thing. It's not an antique, but you could totally go on Pawn Stars with it. Yeah, it's definitely a Pawn Stars caliber They love item. sportsman. Well, they don't love it, but they definitely trade in the sports memorabilia collector item market. So why not, you know, 90s Nickelodeon TV stars sign memorabilia? Well, that's what I'm saying. They'll, they'll, they'll whatever. They'll give you 10 bucks for it. Uh, <laughs> what, I, if I, you get, <laughs> what if you get a deep fake video of Kel saying... Yeah, I signed that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a real issue in the not-so-near future with some in of this stuff. In the antique market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. All right, I think right. we got to get this Are You The One update. So who put this on? Update time. There's uh, been so much that's happened. I feel like last time we watched some of the Are You The One in the very same hot tub. We did. And since then, true. it's really ramped up. So Are You The One this season, in case you did not know, is all sexually fluid singles. There are 16 of them trying to find their perfect match in the house. Everybody's incredible. It's a beautiful show. It's very positive. <laughs> it is surprisingly um, very positive for a house where you have 16 young people 
a so-called boom boom room where they will bang each other, uh, and it's on MTV. I am shocked how positive a show it is. Like MTV is about the only network that can actually handle these kinds of topics in any sort of a reasonable way. Like I mean, they've actually like they have a pretty good track record on some of this stuff. I feel like. Yeah, um, we are now, I believe, like ten episodes deep. Um, and we're wrapping up this season. So I think the season is going to be 10 opportunities for them to guess the couples. I think we have now seen eight of those. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. So oh. some perfect matches have been revealed yeah. through math or through Truth Booth. Very um, very limited amount of Truth Booths. Yeah. Very limited. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of action in the house. A little more drama, I would say, recently as well. It's really starting to ramp up. There was a massive fight. In the under the sea nightclub party, party? how yeah. would you describe that? So this was, you know, it's not super spoilery, but there was an insane party oh. that they throw at the house here, and it's under the sea. Theme? It's under the sea yeah. theme. They have like bubbles in the air. They've clearly provided like all these outfits for people to choose from. Everybody's wearing like scales, and there's more body glitter at this party than like I've then, ever I never knew existed in the world like people are like so covered in glitter you can't see their skin it's amazing There's also like, they're mostly naked yeah everybody <laughs> yeah which is good because this is like the most clothing they're wearing is glitter like there's one beautiful woman her name is Paige she's wearing literally a net and i don't think anything underneath on on top except for glitter and like panties and That's it's incredible. It? It's a beautiful look. <laughs> and a wig. She's also wearing a wig. Oh, yeah. Great Paige wig. really does look good with that wig on. Beautiful. Really good wig. I mean, beautiful she looks woman. good in general, but, like, the wig is definitely a nice wig. Nice she look. She looks like Katy Perry. On. See? Oh, yeah. I'm going to go run home and watch that. That sounds amazing. You have to watch <laughs> it's a, it. It's, it's so good. incredible season. Man. It's really good. The yeah, drama is the drama's very delicious. There are a lot of I – think, I think this season, more than most, there are, like, a lot of people to actually root for. Like, these people come off as, like, more kind and genuine and open. And, like, a lot of them are actually, like, trying to do this. And there's, like, less, like, physical fighting. The drama is more like, this one guy's sleeping around a lot. And a bunch of people feel weird about that. And he keeps telling everyone that he's into them. <laughs> but they're like, well, you can't be into all of us. <laughs> I you think they could. Or can you? Um, like, well, that's true. The house they're staying in is just unbelievable. And I can't <laughs> wait for us to go stay there someday. I re- it's like oh, how oh, many? There's only like three bedrooms. We're not staying. Like all you need, James. I'm not staying in the boom boom room. Okay. No, like, we all happening. have to sleep in the bedroom. <laughs> we have a whole like a huge like stadium the size room. Sixteen person couch. Or yeah, bed. with mattresses on the floor everywhere. What a beautiful room. <laughs> there's also like the living room is also just full of mattresses. It's a it's a very comfy house. A lot of lounging opportunities. Um, not a lot of private space in this house. Just no. the boom boom room. That is like the only private room. That's it. Uh, and it's not very private. <laughs> no, th- I don't As think we've it seen, locks. I don't think it locks either. <laughs> it definitely doesn't. No. The counselor, the relationship counselor, Dr. Frankie, has been an incredible addition to the show. She pops in very occasionally, gives them a couple wise words, and then disappears completely. She also has amazing tattoos. <laughs> is she giving cryptic hints? Yeah, I think she, I, I feel like that, that is one of my theories for why MTV brought her in. Is like so that they could have sort of a mole to sort of like nudge people in the right direction, um, but she hasn't really. I thought she was gonna do one-on-ones with people, and I'm very disappointed we never get to see that. Like basically, the way she works is she'll come into the room and they're they'll all be sitting there, and she'll be like, like the last episode we watched, I think her question was like, has anyone experienced any kind of like 
like maturity or like growth <laughs> during like your time here. <laughs> no. And the woman who has pr- probably experienced the least of that pipes up immediately. <laughs> they, they they always seem to send her in right after some kind of giant drama or fight or something. And like usually she'll just ask about something and no matter what she asks about, whoever was involved in the fight will be the first person to start talking about whatever they want to talk about. Because they're all fired up. Yeah. And usually all Dr. Frankie says is, Sounds like you guys need to communicate. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she doesn't offer a ton of deep advice. No. no. It's very light. But, like, she can't really because she's doing, like, a consultation for, like, 16 people at the same time. Right. What's Do you think she's say? watching all the footage? I don't know. I mm-hmm. hope so. I don't know. <laughs> I think One of my friends who's also watching this show told me that she read that the host of the show, Terrence J., does not know who the perfect matches are. Oh, that's great. Which is interesting. That's good. Yeah, so everything that he says to them isn't a clue. Very good. Unless he's very smart and he's put it together. So Is Terrence J's last name Miller? No, I think it starts with a J. Oh. Yeah. So it's not like a TJ Well, well you type, can call him TJ. I don't know. Type character. Probably. He's not like TJ Miller, but he's like <laughs> TJ MTV host. Yeah, I, I know. Sorry. Uh, it, that was a joke. <laughs> I'm going to step back Teach. out again. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the mic into the hot tub. Uh, so, so anyway, anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe in a couple weeks here we'll do we'll do a little wrap-up little yeah. wrap up segment on Are You The One, but people should watch it. It's a really good season. It is so good. I, I stand by the show. I think it's one of the best reality shows of all time. Especially How excited are you season. for the finale? I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm so excited. This season's been really interesting, like the way they've figured out the couples, which we will talk more on the wrap-up podcast, but I'm pumped for, for the finale. Believe it. Can't Do wait. we podcast after the finale? Oh, maybe it's a question. We'll see. Um, does anyone have anything else to get into? I think that's it. Uh, so there's some sort of you know Facebook.com slash who put this on. You can email us and talk to us on Gmail at who put this on at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash who put this on or at who put this on. I don't know how Twitter works. Uh, and that's it. about it. Just uh, Google who put this on. There you go. Hope you enjoyed it. Good night, folks. episode brought to you by Wildcat. (laughs) 